You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Churches are notorious for fights, right? We shouldn't be surprised at conflicts and disagreements and things arise because all of us, not, none of us have ever had any fights in our marriages, right? We've never had any challenges with our kids. We've, we've always had every other area of life perfect with neighbors, perfect with people out and about. We should expect church to never have any of those kinds of issues, right? Listen, these are real things that churches fought about. Listen to some of these things. They fought, a church fought whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. You know, do we playground, do we put dead people? Are we about the living or are we about the dead? You know, interesting. Uh, another church, a deacon accusing another deacon of sending an anonymous letter, decided to settle the matter in the parking lot. You know, like take matters in their own house. Because this is God's house. You can't fight in God's house, but you can, you know, go out and do that. Another church argued over a vote to decide if the clock in the worship center should be removed. You know, apparently they lined up for the clock, somewhere against the clock. I'll tell you a secret. We always have a clock that ours we remove and put out every week. It's up now. It only goes up when I speak so that I don't go too long, or at least in my mind go too long, and it comes down afterwards. So we're not going to fight about that one. A fight over which picture of Jesus to be put up in the foyer. You know, that's a great one. You know, what, how do we want to represent Jesus in the foyer? Here's one, a church that they had a, an argument because the Lord's Supper was served with crayon grape juice instead of just grape juice. You know, I, once I was in a church, they actually served prune juice instead. The guy that bought it, and I'm like, I guess we're all kind of regular now, you know. It's, anyway, they, we weren't even on the playing field. I've joked about this before, but apparently a couple of churches fought over coffee. And in one case, it was like, do we go from Folgers to Starbucks, you know? And the next one is just, we want a stronger blend of coffee, and people got bugged and left over that. I imagine there were some other things going on. That's the way it usually goes, right? You got some undercurrent stuff going on. Another uh, church member, another church had somebody who was chastised because she brought vanilla syrup to the coffee server, and it looked too much like liquor. So people thought, you know, we're serving like, you know, like we're like an open bar at the church. I'm like, seriously? Wow. You know, here, one, one fought over whether or not to sing happy birthday each week. You know, so if you don't do it one week, you miss, you offend somebody. If you do it the next week, you know. And the last one was whether or not to, to take the fake dusty plants should be removed from the podium, from the, you know, the platform. <laughs> like, you know, just, I just like, oh my goodness. Wow. Like, these things really happen. But, you know, we, it's kind of funny. We think of, we, some of you have been through some, Difficult conversations, shall we, that way, you know, like mom and dad. We never fight. We just have loud disagreements. Some of you have been in churches that are, have those, and, and, and sometimes we just, it, they really do hurt, and they really kind of go deep. But just to help us all realize, like, we're all sinners, and we all have our preferences in life, and we all have our opinions the way things should work. And when you put a room full of people, it's like kind of inevitable, and we would all be embarrassed if the things that we have fought over in our homes, like that we've gone to the mat, like argued why we're right about why the coffee pot should be here and not there, and we should do 
this and not that in our home. We'd be embarrassed if somebody stood up like, you fought about this and you fought about that and you fought about that. And it's kind of our nature. So I want to talk to you this morning about how as a church we are to have unity with different opinions but without arguments. Like as a church, we are called to be people that are unified, not uniformity, but we are to be unified, even so, with different opinions and different things rolling along. And Paul talks about that here in Romans 14. So listen with me if you would. Read Romans 14, verse 12 verses. Paul says this. He says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. He says that person that's a follower of Jesus that might be a little weaker in faith. You presume they're weaker. They probably don't. But welcome them. Don't get in an argument over opinions with them. Welcome them as members. Receive them. Don't make a big issue about opinions. He says one person believes he may eat anything. Some of you are omnivores. You're like, you see food and you eat it, like everything. But he says, but while the weak person eats only vegetables. And here we thought veganism was something new. It's been around for forever all around the planet. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Now we don't really know exactly why some were eating meat and some don't. Some have speculated, well, some of the people were probably Old Testament and they couldn't eat pork. They could you know, only eat kosher. Truth of the matter, it might not have been. It, it, who knows? We don't really know. It's irrelevant. But what matters is, is that there were two different opinions about what it meant to appropriately live your life and worship before God. And Paul is like, quit fighting over it. He says, who are you, in verse 4, to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Here's the next topic. One person esteems one day is better than another. In other words, a holy day. I'll tell you a secret. Holiday actually is holy day. It's not where you go on vacation and sit at the beach. It was a day that was meant to be holy and you know, worship for God. So some say there's holy days that are more special and we're to do certain things for God. But others are like, yeah, no, everything's, all the days are alike, he says in verse 5. He says, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For, no, for to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. And he sums it up with this way. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why you, or you, why do you pass, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give account of himself to God. Pretty straightforward this morning, but significant. You know, we can, as people, we can get into disagreements and we have different levels of things that are important. And Paul says, hey, there's some things that you really shouldn't 
argue about, some things that you shouldn't try to convince somebody else to do what you're doing. Some things are personal and they should not be allowed to cause separation. So pretty straightforward. I'm going to share with you this morning what, how we're to handle those. And I'm going to give you, for the spreadsheet people in the room who like lists and like, you know, that kind of thing, you're going to love this because I'm going to give you a little spreadsheet, mini spreadsheet. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I went to church and Sean explained a spreadsheet this morning with God. Like, I don't want to deal with spreadsheets on Sundays. I want to, you know, that's my work job. Just, just relax. It'll be okay. Just be a little helpful. Not everything that we believe and do is of the same level of importance, and I just want to help us to think through those things. Some things do matter. Some things matter less, some things even less, and some things like whether you have Starbucks coffee or Folgers really does not matter. And so we're going to talk through that and about, uh, about those issues. So the first thing I want us to recognize, how do, we, how do we receive people who are followers of Jesus? These are people who've surrendered their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've said, I do to Jesus. They've gone all in. They are born again. They are children of God. And Paul says that our response to every one of those people is to welcome them, to receive them, and don't judge them. We are to receive, but not judge. Paul says, hey, don't be looking at somebody because they're abstaining from eating meat. You may be a carnivore and eating everything under the planet that moves. But because they are trying to honor God in their heart, and they think it's better for them to be more of a vegan to honor God, don't act like they are weak in the faith and that there's something wrong with their spiritual faith in God. You should receive them equally. Don't hold them at arm's length. Don't create a division. Don't create a barrier. Don't create a, a holier than now. Well, this is the club that's really serving God the right way, and this is the club that's not. And get out of that. Receive, be on the same page, and don't get into judging and arguing against one another over those kinds of things. Now, I'll share in a minute. There's some, this is not everything in the Bible. I'm, that's what my little grid is about, how to, you know, how do we sort some of those things out? And there will always be some different opinions, but hopefully I'll at least give you a framework to think about those things along the way. But Paul says, receive them. And he tells us the reason why we're to, re we're to receive people at face value based on their relationship with Christ is because God does. That's what he says. He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? That person is a servant of God. And the verse before, in verse 3, he says that God has welcomed him. God has welcomed that individual into his family. He has received them as a child, not based on their, the things that they do to honor and worship him, but based simply on Jesus Christ and their relationship with him. And if God the Father's received them, how in the world could we not also receive them? How in the world, why should we add another step in the process? Why should we add a, another thing to the list when God hasn't done it? You see, in God's mind, there's only one issue when it comes to us being in a relationship with him. It is where do we stand in relationship to Jesus? Have we received him as our Lord and Savior or have we not? It's not an issue of what church we've been a part of, how we've been raised, what we've done in our life. It's not an issue of the car we drive or the, the length of our prayers or what we do and what we give. It's none of those things. He says, look, there's one issue, and that is, do you know Jesus or not? Have you received him by faith, by surrendering faith or not? And if you have, then God the Father welcomes him fully into heaven, welcomes you into relationship. There's no set of tears, you know, the 
levels in that or anything of that nature. And so we as a church, we as individuals, should do the exact same thing. He says, quit looking down your nose at somebody else because their expression of worship is different than yours. Quit, you know, feeling like you're superior to them because your way of honoring God in your personal life is better than theirs. Or maybe even as a church that you're doing it right or better than maybe the other team or the other guys out there. It just says, get, stop all of that. Just stop and receive them. God has accepted them and quit creating divisions in the middle of that. Now, sometimes we, we are a little naive in our understanding of churches, to be honest with you. We kind of have this mindset, well, if we all got along, we'd all be in the same church. Can I just say that's naive? Because I, I live, I, well, I don't live with quite as many people, but having eight kids, I've lived with a lot of people, right? Sharing bathrooms, you've heard enough stories. I don't want to live with 50 people in my house, no offense. I don't want to be, this is personal preference for me, but I don't want to have to walk into a church with a thousand people. I'm betting most of you are probably like that too, because if you did, you wouldn't want to be at River. You know, it's like it's okay to have different churches. I kind of view church like family. You know, just because I'm one family and you're in a different family, and there's all kinds of family in churches, doesn't mean we don't like each other and get along. Churches are families, and they can get along. They don't all have to be in the same place. Okay, you tracking with me? So Paul says, quit. On these kind of levels of things, quit creating judgments, separations, looking down your nose, superior, like somehow you're in better with God and you're doing it right and the other guy's doing it wrong because Paul is saying, it's like, look, God has received them and that's what matters. In fact, what matters is there is a level in these kinds of decisions as to what the motivation is. Says that's what really matters is what is a person doing for God? Because at the end of the day, everything that we do for God matters to Him. God looks at the motivation of our heart, not just what we do, but how we went about it and why we did it. Kind of did we do, you know, were we doing it for Him? Are we doing it for ourselves? Did we, did we give to a community service project because we we're trying to honor Him and trying to bless somebody else? Or did we kind of secretly do it because we want to be seen a little bit, you know? We want to kind of have a little bit of us in there, a little bit of a reputation to maintain or somehow take care of it. God looks at those motivations deeply in our heart. They matter to him. So he says, receive and welcome and stop passing judgment on the, the spiritual expression. So does that mean then as Christians that just anything goes? It doesn't matter what we believe? doesn't matter where we are as a church, all that? Well, that's no, not at all. So let me give you kind of my, I'm calling a helpful grid. Hopefully this is helpful, all right? This is hopefully to give you a little bit to work on. If you, this, if you want this, if you're like a really detailed note taker, some of you are note takers, I can see that, some of you are not. If you want the notes, don't go crazy, all right? I'll, I'll email it to you, just let me know. But go ahead and flip the grid if you would. So. So it, this is, big disclaimer, the Bible does not give us four grids, all right? If you, you have complete permission to disagree with everything on this slide, all right? So I'm going to give you a huge disclaimer, okay? This is not the inspired and errant word of God coming to you. This to me is helpful. 
It's the way, a little bit of it's the way I think, but not every truth in the Bible is of the same level of importance. Not everything that we do in our life is of that same level of importance. So the, there are some things that I call, I'm, I'm calling kind of for us, tier one. They're essential. These are the things, if you don't believe these things, you're not even a Christian. You're not even a follower of Christ. Like you're not even on the playing field, right? These are really undebatable. Yes, some people will debate them or not, but, but truth be known, if you don't believe these things, you're really not a follower of Jesus. You may go to a church because not even every church believes these things, but you're not one of God's children. This is for every church everywhere. doesn't matter what language, what continent, what time they worship, what denomination they are, what their beliefs about many things are. These are top-end kinds of things, like who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising from the dead. The only way that our sins can be forgiven or be surrendered by him. These are the things like what Paul is saying, don't argue over some things. These are not those kinds of things. Because Paul went into the town of Ephesus. Remember he went around, the apostle went starting churches all over Europe and all over the place. And he met some people who were followers of Jesus that were saved. They had trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he said, by the way, have you been baptized in the Spirit? And they're like, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And Paul's kind of like, well, well, let me tell you. Paul didn't say, oh, it doesn't matter. Well, that's just your opinion. That's going to be your expression. You don't have to do it. He told him. He's like, oh, this is a problem. I need to explain this to you. These are things that we believe that are huge, that are just so important to us as followers of Jesus. Now, not everything falls in this category, whether you build a cemetery or a playground. You know, I just would love to go to a church that has a big cemetery out in front. You've got to walk by every time you go into church. You know, I'd much rather have a playground than a cemetery all day long, but that's what I would vote. But anyway, these are not those things. There's a second tier down that I'm calling interpretational things. The first one's really not up to debate. The Bible is so clear on them. If you don't believe these, you don't even know Jesus. Sad to say, many churches are there, folks. This is not, not every church believes these things. In fact, I think the n number of churches that believe these things is actually getting smaller and smaller. There's a lot of churches that don't believe well, and they just don't believe the important things. The second tier I'm calling more are more interpretational things. These are important. It's not that they don't matter. They do matter. But they're, they're more debatable. These are things that kind of belong to maybe specific churches, or maybe church networks or denominations, that kind of thing. And they're kind of things that are, you know, if you've been around the church world, you've bumped into, like, how do you baptize somebody? Do you baptize them by, you know, putting them under water, or do you sprinkle them? Do you, do you sprinkle babies, or do you only do, you know, kids that are a little bit older through adults and put them under water? Do you believe you can lose your salvation? Do you, what do you think about the, the whole being baptized in the Spirit, that you have to be, you know, speak in tongues, or somehow you don't have all of the Holy Spirit and haven't experienced all that God has in your life? These are important questions. These are things that most churches kind of begin to line up with. Like most people within a church would probably land in some interpretations of these things. They are very important. These top two things 
are what tend to end up in doctrinal statements. So right now at River, like if you've been through our 101, our Discover class, we unpack things that we believe. I think pretty much everything that would be in tier one and tier two that's important to us, we put in our doctrinal statement. It's there. So if you wonder like where we land, it's there. Now maybe there's a thing or two that we missed, but I don't know, you might point one out, like, and so be it. We would consider changing and putting it in there because we feel like as a church, we want to be clear about where we are so that people know. We, uh, I think I've told you before, we have a garden at our house. By the way, I don't know if you have a garden. Our tomatoes are like this high. It's crazy with the rain and what everything's doing. It's insane just how tall everything is. I'm not a gardener. I'm kind of an eater. My wife would tell you that I don't even eat vegetables very much, but I do. I just pick the ones that I want to eat, right? Just kind of makes me a picky veggie eater. But anyway, we like jalapenos, and so they planted, bought jalapeno seeds, planted them in the ground, and fast forward a number of weeks and months, and I'm walking by in the garden, I'm like, how does it look like a jalapeno? That looks like a banana pepper. I don't remember anybody liking banana peppers. Why are there banana peppers? And lo and behold, there's a jalapeno gate going on nationally. You can Google it. Like some supplier somewhere has got growers and seeds all mixed up. And all these people thought they were planting from Oklahoma and Texas and Missouri and Minnesota. And we got it in New York. They're getting banana peppers instead of jalapenos, you know, because it's like not what they expected. It's kind of a mystery. Like, okay, which country, who messed this up, you know? You and I want clarity with what we're getting, right? You plant tomato seeds and corn and your specific things, that's what you expect. And we ought to treat church the same way. You ought to be know what you're going to hear, what you're going to get, and it's important. Some churches are so loose that just anything goes and you don't know what you're going to get. That's why those top two tiers are important because it's the matter, it matters whether it's heaven or hell or not. It matters in the expression of your children. You ought to care about those things. You ought to be informed about those things. And we teach those things. We, we preach and share the overflow of those things. They are so important, all right? The things that Paul's talking about this morning, whether or not you eat certain foods as an honoring to God or whether you fast from those foods or not or whether or not you observe a special holy day, or special holy season, or you treat every day the same. These are tier three things he's talking about. I'm calling these devotional things. These are issues of personal obedience and worship. They're important to you, but they're not universal for the whole church as a whole. These are more families and individuals' kinds of decisions. For us at River, I would put Lent in this category. Whether or not it's appropriate for you or those in your family to drink alcohol or not. Whether or not you keep a Sabbath day or not. We actually could put tongues in this list as well because some people get the baptism of the Spirit, in, in my estimation, right. You know, that interprets that everybody has been Everybody who's a follower of Jesus, my understanding of Scripture, has been baptized in the Spirit. Because Paul, Paul said, he said, we've all been baptized into Christ. We've all been baptized in that, so it's my understanding. But for some, they may practice like a private prayer language kind of thing, and that's a personal thing. These are things that are important to individuals, important to families that people do personally to honor God. 
when I went on a mission trip to Kenya years and years ago, there, was, there were several churches that came together, and there was probably 30 or 40 of us. I don't really remember. And kind of after, we were there for two weeks. You fly halfway around the world. Like, you got to make it worth your while, right? It takes about a week just for your clock adjustment and all of that. And at the very end, we, we went. It's kind of a little celebration. We went and did some sort of like wildlife safari thing, and then we went into, into town in Nairobi and ate it. There was a, a famous restaurant called the Carnivore. Like you could eat crocodile and like you could eat everything under the sun. Wildebeest, I think even giraffes. And we're like, well, why would you want to eat a giraffe? I'm like, anyway, just, and most people went there. A, a very few of us went to a different restaurant. But one of the guys, and I'll never forget this, was, um, was a guy, that, the reason he went to the restaurant that day was the Carnivore served alcohol and the other restaurant didn't. And what impressed me was, is his testimony was that he was an alcoholic, but had trusted Christ, and God had delivered him from that. And it wasn't so much he was like, well, I don't want to go eat at a restaurant that serves alcohol because I might stumble. It was more that he said, I've made a commitment to God that that was so much my life that I'm never going to be a part of that again, and I'm never going to eat at a restaurant. Now, this was 25 years ago. I'm not sure if you could find a restaurant today that doesn't serve alcohol. Maybe Mike's Diner down the road. I don't know. Maybe they're serving in the morning. I don't know. But anyway, but what so impressed me was that his own personal devotion to God, that was a choice he made. He wasn't saying, hey, all of you others are wrong to eat at a restaurant that way. It was for him. And that was a commitment made in his life. So what Paul was telling us is like, if you make that commitment, be convinced in your heart, stick to it, and do it to honor God. Whatever you're doing. So some of you were brought up in a church that you observed Lent. You may have even come from another church recently that observed it and wondered like, well, why don't we do that at River? That was always a good thing, you know, to kind of have that season, a season of repentance and kind of a contrition before God and removing something, you know, from your life. And some of you, that's very familiar to you. And, and when I look at, at that, that is not a second-tier kind of thing because second-tier and first-tier things, you open the Bible and you see it, and it tells you right in it what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to believe. And Lent isn't anywhere in the Bible. Does that make it automatically bad? Not whatsoever. In fact, it can be a very good thing for you. But at River, we're not going to make tier three things up into the bigger things. We're not going to say, hey, this is what we're supposed to do, church, and this is what you're supposed to do. We're not going to make that kind of thing because, to be honest with you, while it helps a lot of people, I think, I've also seen that we're the opposite, where a lot of people put their faith that they're going through all this stuff and they're being very religious and spiritual and all that stuff that they're doing somehow is making them approve to God. And the truth of the matter is it's only Jesus. So at River, if we're going to make a mistake somewhere, we're just going to say, folks, Jesus is all we got. So we're not trying to put anything and add anything extra to make it. And honestly, for some of you, that's a little bit of a challenge because River's kind of a scaled-down church experience, you know? It's kind of like you went to, from a church experience that was kind of like the tricked-out Cadillac, you know, and it's got all the fun stuff, and now you're driving around a little basic Toyota Corolla or whatever. If you've got a Toyota, Toyota Corolla, don't feel offended. I've got one even lower than that that I drive. So it's okay, but we're kind of that way because we're trying to let Jesus be the one we focus on and not so much all the other stuff. But it's a personal choice. And so if you're you, you're like, well, I don't know if I should do Lent or not because my other church did, but River doesn't do it. And should I be faithful and obedient to River or should I do it? Like, be at peace. If it's a blessing to you, 
Go ahead. There's nothing wrong with it. That's kind of what Paul is saying. It's like, whatever you're doing in these, kind of, these kinds of things, do it in honor to God. Do it for Him. For some of you, you, might, you know, the Sabbath not working on Sunday might be a big thing. For others, you might be like, you know what? New Testament, Old Testament, you know, kind of law changed to what was supposed to happen. It's okay. Don't look down your nose at somebody because they might be painting their house on a Sunday afternoon. And Because be perfectly honest, if we're all honest, we're not all worshiping God all day long on a Sabbath. None of us are. Like, as soon as you go home and turn on a football game or sitting in the sun or surfing on the internet, like, sorry, you're doing your own thing, right? No matter what. So, but all of these are issues of the heart. And all of them are expressions of our faith that do matter, but they matter to us individually. And the problem comes where we take these personal things and somehow we apply them more universally. That's where the problem comes. That's where the judgment comes. And you know what? We would be wrong ourselves if we did that or didn't do that. That would be bad for us. And Paul's saying it's okay, keep, but keep that for you. Don't be trying to put these kinds of things on other people. I'll give you a silly example to put it on myself. I think this will come out okay. Susan and I, years ago, when I, all of our kids were really little, we kind of, as we talked about things, and like every parent, you pick some things that you're trying to do and do well and not others. And when our daughters got old enough, we came along, you know, and we made a decision to not have Barbies in our house, like that particular brand. And, and you're like, well, Sean, why? We actually did it because we wanted to be good parents. We wanted to honor God in the middle of that. Well, Sean, are you saying that I did have my daughters play with Barbie and I'm a bad person? No, that's why I'm telling you the silly story because I've not told anybody else in the world and I've never thought that. For us, we just were like, I don't want my daughters having this perfect image of what they're supposed to look like ingrained in their lives. And frankly, I don't want a bunch of naked dolls because that's what happens. Every little kid gets them, they rip the clothes off and have all these voluptuous dolls laying around. And my boys are like, oh, what's that? You know, I'm like, I got enough of it in the world. I don't need it in my own home. And so we just stayed away from that. That is our decision. It has no bearing on you whatsoever. And so you be free and do all the Barbies in the world that you want to. You can go watch the Barbie movie if you want, if you want to. I'm not going to. Not I don't think I'm going to, unless it's like a cultural study. What are people doing weird, you know, like studying the, the you know, in, in the indigenous peoples of, of America or something. But anyway, I hope that makes sense. These are personal choices that actually matter to us, but not for everybody else. And you know what happens when those things that are important to us and we project them onto other people? We get lots of conflict. And we think it matters, and it does, but to us. And we shouldn't be putting it on other people. Fourth tier, and then I'm going to move quickly. I'm calling the fourth one is just preferential. And these are things about church. This is all church stuff. These are personal preferences, and there's nothing in the Bible about these. I mean, at least like these other things, I mean, there's nothing in the Bible about Barbie, but there is about modesty and about, you know, putting what's important and, you know, and priorities and parents have got to, there's so many decisions you're trying to shape kids in the way they think. But these are things that don't matter. These are completely individualistic, like what church time do I like the best? What brand of coffee do I 
like or not like. I actually put that in the list before I found that example. Like, you know, I don't like my church because I don't like the color they painted the worship there. I can't believe it. I don't like that they didn't pave the whole park a lot and they grabbed a little bit of it. Or I can't believe that we're, you know, this. Or I can't believe we've done that. And we all have been and seen and heard like the griping and grumbling, not Thankfully, not at River. I we don't. I don't usually been here a good long while and hardly ever hear any of it. So we all have idiosyncrasies of things that we just like, but they're not Bible. And these things, these last two things, we should not be fighting about. The last one's just what you want. You're not doing it for God. You're just doing it because the way you like it, not because it's for God or not. The number, the third level does matter to you. Second level matters to us as a church. You really ought to be in a church that you really agree with one and two pretty well. Definitely one, and really two pretty well. be honest with you, even when you marry, you probably ought to marry somebody that's definitely one, and probably even mostly two. You don't want to be in a church situation where one person feels like, I can't connect with this church because they're believing so differently about this. Like, hit it matters. You kind of need to be on the same page in there. The other things are fair game. Does that make sense a little bit? I feel like so much church conflict would go away if we just kind of realize, like, not everything is a hill worth buying on. Not everything should matter to everybody else out there. Some of it does, but not all of it. Well, let me give you a quick reason, and I'll be done, why we shouldn't judge people, because Paul doesn't just leave it there. But he goes on, he says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? It's kind of like, what are you thinking? Or you, I'm not going to point at you because you think I'm going to think of it, but why do you, why? he's pointing his finger in this letter, why do you, why do you despise your brother? That's what we're doing when we're like, well, they're not doing it right. They're not loving God like they should and whatever. You ultimately, we're despising that other person who is our spiritual family. He says, because we were all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. We're all going to stand before God. You see, we miss the fact that God is the one who stands as people's judge, not us. We all have a radar in our mind and heart, and depending on the subject matter that's important to us, it goes off. That person was wrong. That person was dumb. That was not a good decision. That is bad. That is whatever, right? We're, we're all there. It's part of being human, made in the image of God. We recognize that there's values and things that are important in this world. The issue isn't recognizing. The issue is when we like somehow think that we're right and we pass that judgment. Because what Paul is saying is like, look, get your hands off, get your eyes off. God is each person's judge. He is their judge, not us. So often we do pass that judgment on motivations and other things. It's just like God is the judge of those tier three things. We're not, again, we're not talking about tier one and two. Those things are off the table. Paul's way down here. Personal, devotional choices to God. Hands off. God is the judge of them. And something's even more that God is the one who's going to help them to stand. This is Crazy, but if you look at verse 4, because we get convinced, well, I'm right. It should be this way. We should do it that way. And Paul says in the end of verse 4, he's like, look, the Lord is the one who's able to make him stand. In other words, God is the one 
that even if you're right in a spiritual expression and they're wrong, if there was such a thing with those tier three things, God is the one who's able to make them stand. You can't. It's your, not, your job to change all of that. God is the one that's going to help them to live out their life in full devotion. By the way, when the church has to agree at tier three kinds of things and even to tier four, that doesn't feel very good. It's called a cult. <laughs> you see, we can all disagree with those kind of things. We don't need to all look alike and think alike down to that kind of level. There's going to be different expressions of those things. That's okay. That's good. We, we somehow get uncomfortable with it because, honestly, it takes more work, and we actually don't like it because it makes us think, well, we might not be right, and it makes us think a little bit. It's just a lot easier to be around people that are exactly like you and think like you and look like you and do everything like you. It's a little bit harder to be in that. But folks, we want to be in a church that where there's freedom of expression in the middle of that, not in those top couple of things so much, but in the bottom things we do. And ultimately, God is the one that each one of us helps us to stand before him. It's not the church that helps us to stand. It's God in heaven that helps you live out your expression of faith. And if you're doing something that's a tier three kind of thing and you're doing it for the right reason, then God says, good job. I kind of liken it like this. If you think back, if your kids are older, if you had kids or nieces or nephews or whatever, sometimes when kids are younger, they do something that's really not good, but they really did mean well, right? And you kind of, if you're on your game and not frustrated and irritated and tired, you're like, great job. Inside, you're like, oh, what a mess that is, you know? But you knew they meant well. They did it right. Like, look, Mommy, look what I made for you. I brought you flowers, and they just cut the flowers in your garden, you know, and they weren't old enough to yet kind of know that wasn't cool. They just were trying to give them to you. You're like, oh, my favorite roses just got clipped. They meant well. That's what tier three things are. God in heaven looks at us and is like, good job. You love me, and in your heart, you lived your life for me. That's what he wants from us, guys. That's what he's looking for. And the final thing that he leaves us with that I'm going to leave you with is that ultimately all of us are going to stand before God. That's what this verse 10 is, is that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. There's two Quickly, there's two different judgment seats that the Bible talks about. One is where the lost will stand before the Lord Jesus and they will be condemned and they will finally realize the truth fully of what's going on and where they messed up in life. This one's different. This is a, it's a different word. It's different all the way together. This is the one that we will all, as followers of Jesus, will stand before Jesus. It's not to decide where we go. That's, always, that's all of that's been long ago uh, understood and figured out. This one is for those who follow Jesus to receive eternal rewards based on their obedience in their heart and what they've done. Now, this is sobering, folks. You know, if up to this point you're like, Sean, I really didn't, most of this didn't do anything for me. Well, hear this. If you miss most of this, today, everything that you do will be stand into account before the God of heaven. Every single thing. Every single thought, every single action, every single attitude, every motivation of your heart, our whole life stands accountable to the God of heaven. Now, that's not meant to, to strike a, a terror in our heart. It's meant to, God's giving it to us to be a sobering reality. 
to say, God, today I want to live my life before you. Because being a follower of Jesus and being saved means you, are, you get to go to heaven. And I don't know how this is going to work out, and Paul's not trying to explain it here, so I'm not going to try to explain it. But being saved just gets you in the door. But a life of obedience and a heart lived out for God, there's reward that we receive on top of that. And we're not explained what all of that is, but I've got to tell you, eternity is a really long time. It's a lot longer than a 30-year mortgage. It's a lot longer than your retirement on this earth is going to be. And I'm a little selfish that I want as much reward as I can experience along the way. And even along that, to be beyond self-centered, I just want to honor God. Like I just, God, I want to live for you today. So whether I'm changing the oil in my vehicle or I'm replacing windows in my house or if I'm helping somebody learn how to read or if I'm taking a nap on the couch, if I'm going to work, our life is to be lived for him. And it's not about the spiritual regulations and all the rules. It's the heart. So where are you today in your life before God? Are you living for him or are you living for you? If you're living for you, one of the downsides is, is that even we can do spiritual things for us and we can put those things on other people. And somehow that bothers us. And when we realize that my life is before God, I'm like, I got enough time putting attention on to me. I don't have enough time to fix you. Live it out. I'll help you along the way, and I'll tell you what I do, and if it works for you, great. Those tier three things. But we each need to live before God. So where are you this morning? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? I ask that every week, and I'm going to continue to because we will have people here every week that need that and don't know him. But beyond that, are you giving people freedom to experience and to grow? Not on those big things. I mean, we ought to teach and educate, but there's a lot of latitude in most of life, folks. And are you yourself, even if those, if you've been in church a long time, you kind of have your list and your rhythms of what you do to honor God? Maybe you've found too much confidence in that. Maybe you need to re-examine that. Maybe it's been a while since you've been challenged, like, am I really living for God today? Because at the end of the day, it's not even about the lists. It's just about you living your life before the God of heaven and loving him. And everything obeying and serving to the best of your ability. So what, is, what do you need to do today based on that? Respond to him. If you need to talk with a pastor afterwards, Dan and I are here today. We'd love to talk to you. If you want to text or email or something, set something, we'd be glad to do that. But respond to him today. Pray with me, would you? Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love and, and his death on the cross. Thank you that you receive each of us where we are. And Lord, even all the differences. Forgive us when we look down our nose at others and pass judgment when we shouldn't. Help us to, to recognize the things that are most important that we all should believe and do, but recognize there's a lot of latitude in all the other things. Forgive us when we cast dispersion, even in our own mind, about others or other groups. Lord, help us just to live out our faith before you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.